Well, right now we want to welcome all of our campuses. And if we could welcome our, our online campus, our Appleton campus, our West campus, and our Germantown campus, if we could welcome them. <laughs> delighted to have you with us today. And again, today's a special weekend. And, uh, and as we are really celebrating missions and, uh, and, and a value that we have. You know, when Life Church started in 2000, we, we began with this value uh, and this idea that any church, regardless of size, could do, could do five things well. And so we defined at least four things. We're still trying to define that last one thing, I guess. But four things that we can do well, that we can do regardless of our size. And so one of those things is creative communication. We believe creatively communicating God's word uh, in and, and, and every single fashion that we can, that the gospel is a life-changing message and it should not be boring or dumbed down, but it should be preached with passion and with creativity. Um, we, 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 the second value that we have is family focus. So we want to reach students and children and minister to families. Uh, we, we think that's the heart of one of the, heart, the hearts of God. Community. Uh, Acts 2.42 tells us that the New Testament church, that life happened not just in rows, but it happened in circles. And that people came together and house to house and broke bread and prayed for one another and opened the word of God and, and ministered to one another. And so that's a huge value here. But the fourth value that I really want to talk about this morning for just a minute is missions and outreach. It, it's something that just kind of permeates who and what we are. And this comes from what Jesus told the, the, the church in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says this, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. His idea of, be, of beginning this New Testament church wasn't just for one local setting. It wasn't just for one region. It wasn't just for one country, but it was for the entire world. We know the Great Commission is to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel to every living creature. That's our responsibility as Christ followers. And so at Life Church, we flesh this, uh, we flesh this, this missions and outreach mentality out in basically three ways. Number one, through prayer. We pray for our missionaries. We pray for those that are serving in our, in locally. In our Jerusalem, which is here in, in, in Wisconsin, we, we pray for those that serve throughout our nation. We pray for those that serve throughout our region of the world. We, we pray for the world. You support over 32 missionary families that are boots on the ground, real life, real deal, living in foreign fields all throughout the world. And not just in a very small amount, but in thousands of dollars annually giving to these families and supporting them as they are doing what God has called them to. You support over 15 missions organizations that are promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, ministering to people's needs. You're going to hear one of those organizations today and how in the last year you've made a difference. Over $35,000 you've given just to this ministry and you're going to have an opportunity to do that again today. That leads me to the second thing that we do to flesh this out, and that's to give. Life Church, since the beginning of the year, you've given over $192,000 just to missions. Our goal is $600,000, but you've given over $192,000 just since the beginning of the year. And I want to say thank you. That's above and beyond everything else, and all of that money goes to minister to, to this great commission to fulfill what Jesus said we would do, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the third thing that we do is we go. 
whether it's a second Saturday outreach in the inner city of Milwaukee, in a neighborhood in Appleton, Wisconsin, uh, in Waukesha County, Washington County, Milwaukee County, Ozaki County, wherever it may be, we, we get people involved in serving people, serving our brothers and sisters, not just around the world, but around the corner. But we also go around the world. So far this year, signed up or have gone are 75 people on mission trips, and it's just June. This past Thursday, we started World Impact, which is something we do every summer with our students. There were 45 middle school and high school students that were here. They're going to give their entire Thursday for the next several weeks preparing for their mission trips. One is a national trip that will go to a major inner city. The second will go to an international destination with our high school students. 45 middle school and high school students. That's how we do this. We believe that the local church is the hope of the world. Nothing works like the local church works the way the local church works when the local church... I'm going to get, get this mixed up. Nothing works like the local church works when the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. That's... I got it right. That's the hope of the world. That's you. That's how Jesus decided that Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth would be ministered to with the local church. That's you. You are the saints. You are the one, whether it's around the corner to minister to somebody's needs, down the street, to the inner city, throughout the nation, throughout our, our, our area of the world, or throughout the entire world, that the gospel will be preached and reached through you. And so when we pray for missionaries, when we support missionaries, when we support missions organizations, when we travel, there's basically three major areas because of our bias towards the local church that we do. One is, is church planting. Again, planting new churches, whether it be in the U.S. or abroad, makes it sees more people come to faith in Jesus Christ than any single thing you can do. Secondly, developing pastors and leaders, whether they're lay leaders in a local church internationally or whether they're pastors that are going to start, plant, initiate churches throughout the world. We invest tens of thousands of dollars in training and ministering to those people. But it doesn't end there. We also partner with great aid organizations like the one you're going to hear about today. And we do that in order to minister compassion. Jesus said it this way in a parable in Matthew chapter 25 verse 40. And the king will reply, truly I tell you that whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. When we serve our world, when we have compassion on our city, our nation, or our world. When we do it in the name of Jesus, it's something that is transformative and it's something that is biblical. And that leads us to where we are today. Convoy of Hope Europe is an organization that we partner with that really is a compassion organization that presents the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and, and ultimately leads right back to the local church. Michael and Burl McNamee are the directors of Convoy of Hope Europe. You know Michael. Michael's been here with us several times. Maybe we'll let him come back again. I don't know. I agree with Burl, his wife. If he ever loses his accent, he's going to have to get some content. But he's just a crazy Irishman that loves Jesus. And, and I spoke to him on the phone this week, and he was in Ireland doing an outreach and, and working. And, and it's just he's somewhere in the world every single week. And so about a year ago, Michael, I flew to, to Brussels, met with Michael for a couple of days, and we went, and he took me to Madrid, Spain. I'd never been there, and he wanted me to meet the lady I'm going to introduce to you today, Fiona Belshaw. He said, you have to meet her. 
He says she's Scottish. She's not from Spain originally, so don't let that throw you off a bit. But, but, but she has this passion and this sincerity that will probably shake you a bit, Aaron, because you're not that spiritual is what he said to me, which is true. And he said, but I want you to meet her. I want you to see the ministry that she's doing, this project rescue outreach that she's doing in Madrid and in Spain. And I believe that, that God's in this. And I'm just telling you, when I've met Fiona, I met her son Ezekiel, who runs a leading law firm in Madrid for human rights. I was amazed and not at how they had married meeting the, the, the physical needs of people, legally, socially, personally, but then also the spiritual identity and how they were restoring these women who had been, been victims of sex trafficking and what they were doing. And I went with them to the detention center, and I met the warden, and I heard him, who is not a Christ follower, speak of the ministry of Fiona. I went into the prison cell with her and met these gals who had been trafficked, who basically were victims, and who had been caught up in a prostitution ring and had been incarcerated because of this. I went back to Ezekiel's office, and he did a full-blown presentation, uh, a business plan of here's what has to happen legally. Here's why we're involved. And I sat there with Michael, and I said, we have to partner with these people. And so we did. Two weeks ago, my wife Tammy led a, a group of ladies to Madrid, Spain with Burl McNamee to see and experience exactly what we're going to talk to you about today. So what we're going to do today is simply this. We're going to have a conversation with Fiona about what God is doing and how we can partner with her. We're going to have a conversation with Ezekiel, her son. They both have flown in from Madrid and they're here with us today. And so I want you to see this video, then they're going to join me on the platform, and we're going to go right into this conversation, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to give to this incredibly powerful ministry that you've already been supporting. Check this video out. Según la ONU, hay 27 millones de esclavos en el mundo, la cifra más alta de toda la historia de la humanidad. España es el segundo destino de víctimas de trata en Europa. Hay 300.000 mujeres prostituidas en España y según el Trafficking in Person Report 2013, el 90% son obligadas a hacerlo. Todo esto no sería posible sin esta cifra tan alarmante de entre 900.000 y un millón y medio de hombres que consumen prostitución y pornografía al día. El objetivo del Flash Move es sensibilizar frente a una realidad que está oculta en España, pero que está convirtiéndose en uno de nuestros mayores lacras sociales. Uno de nuestros principales objetivos es la, la generación de conciencia y sensibilización. Para tú sensibilizar a una comunidad, básicamente lo que tienes que hacer es contarle lo que está pasando. ¿Cuál es el trabajo que realizamos Project Rescue de día a día? Ayudamos a las mujeres que son víctimas de trata, están en situación de riesgo y de vulnerabilidad. Mujeres que son prostituidas. Tenemos una casa que se llama la Casa Nuevo Comienzo, que ofrece un nuevo comienzo para la mujer. Trabajamos en el CIE, Centro de Internamiento de Extranjeros. Muchas mujeres que llegan en las pateras o que son arrestadas, enredadas, que se hacen, les hacemos un acompañamiento mientras están allí les traemos un kit que les ayuda con las cosas necesarias que ellas tienen de ropa, de higiene, eh, de libros de autoayuda 
y luego también les podemos ofrecer, si logran quedarse aquí, podemos seguir luego ayudándoles. Si retornan a su país de origen, si ellas lo desean, intentamos facilitarles un contacto para ayudarles. Blowing his mind, and he goes, "This must be the most amazing cheesecake to be in the Dairyland, as you call it, and to have cheesecake in the Dairyland. This must be the best in the country." I said, "It is. Where everything's the best in Wisconsin." So, anyhow, that's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we're really just so privileged to be here with you this morning, and thank you for all you've done for us this last year. It was such a blessing to meet. Pastor Aaron, and then his beautiful, wonderful wife, Tammy, when she came with the team just a couple of weeks ago. And we've really felt encouraged and supported. We've been able to, to help so many people this last year. And so just really appreciate it and thank you. And, and, and we say hi to everybody that's here and those who are looking at us on the big screen in the campus. That sounds really fun. So yeah. we hope to enjoy everything this morning. Good, good. Well, we're delighted to have you. Let's, let's jump right into this, this subject. This, this whole subject of sex trafficking is something that is very, um, it's very broad. It's uh, very popular right now as far as to be talked about, even with, uh, like even in a secular setting. And so you're dealing with this boots on the ground. So talk to us, first of all, uh, about sex trafficking, exactly what's happening. Also talk to us why Spain and Madrid is such so critical and why, why, why you guys are involved in how this works. Let's talk about sex trafficking. What is this? How do these ladies get trafficked? What's going on? Okay. Well, I think almost everybody has heard something about human trafficking for sexual exploitation. It's something that's affecting all of the countries all over the world. Um, and specifically, Europe has become the place of destination for victims of trafficking from uh, Eastern Europe, from Africa, from South America, um, because the, it's, it's um, organized criminal crime. They're making a lot of money. To just give you an idea, only in Spain every day, um, the mafias are making through human trafficking five, let's see, five million euros. So we're talking like eight million dollars a day. A day. 
And so, um, you know, there's, there's different reasons of why they're coming to Spain. Um, and Spain is now the second country in the whole of Europe uh, as a place of transit, as it's a doorway through South America and Africa, and a final destination. Um, in first place, it's Italy. Second place is Spain. And third place is Romania. Within the, the criminal organizations, um, human trafficking is actually almost in second place now. Firstly, it's tra trafficking of weapons, of arms, you'd say. And then secondly, it's now human trafficking along with trafficking of drugs. And many drug traffickers are changing to trafficking of human beings because they say, you know, um, they have problems getting the drugs through and you sell drugs once and that's it used. But if you buy a woman, you buy a young girl, you can sell her over and over again. So it's become the most popular kind of, um, of criminal organization. And in Spain, well, um, Ezequiel can let you know about the, the difficulties that we have. Uh, his office um, for human rights is extremely important in what we're doing because it's the main concern of these girls is to, to somehow exist, be able to show who they are, have a future. And you can explain a little bit about the, yes. the difficulties in Spain of the work you're doing as well. Yes. Well, the, the mafia nets, um, they work through whole Europe. And in Spain, is, as Fiona said, is uh, the bridge between Latin America and Africa to the rest of Europe. And you know, we have a lot of boundaries inside of Europe. So for them, it's very easy to be organized so they can move the woman from Spain to France to Holland. So if an African woman wants to go to, uh, to, to Europe, she will go through Spain, 100% sure. So the problem we have is the mafias, they move in 72, 72 hours. So they can move a woman 72 hours from a country to another country. So from one country to another country in 72 yes. hours. Yes. So they get all the documentation. They gave them fake identities. So they can do with her whatever it wants, they want. And the problem is, even if they think that that woman could be problematic, they can kill her. Nobody will know because she has no documentation. Because the first thing they do is take, the, take their, their identification from them. So yes. they strip them of their identity and completely just do away That's with right. that. So she has no proof to say, this is who I am. That's it. So the point is, these women are, in, are working in prostitution. They're in the streets without no documentation. They're very well trained. Actually, the mafia in the first 72 hours uh, washed their brain. They wrapped them like uh, five persons in the same time in a room. They give them drugs, uh, heroin and other kind of drugs. Um, they torture them. So they know now they are a new property of this. I mean, Fiona will talk about that in, in a minute. But um, the point is they train as well how to act in case that they are detected by the police. So these women are detained by the police and then uh, um, a deportation process starts. And there is when we arrive, because they go to a prison, a center uh, to be deported. And we do the, the labor of identification of these uh, victims. And then we, we work, uh, my particular work is uh, to find the best way for this woman to help them, to have documentation, to go out from the mafia, 
and try to start all the restoring process we have in, in, in our project. But the point is, we, have, we can help them with asylum, we can help them with a criminal process, or we can help them with another way to, get, uh, to give them a residence, a legal status in Spain. The problem is, we have a really nice legislation, really nice European jurisprudence, but it's not effective at all. At all. The police, they are willing to, to get all these organizations, but they don't protect the victim. And actually, they don't work in an international net with the Interpol to protect the victim in their original country because their families are threatened. So we, we do a spiritual work there as well as we later will explain. But, uh, and on the other hand, asylum, Spain is one of the countries in all Europe that, that grants uh, asylum the last. And we need to face that again uh, as well. And on the other hand, we, are, we need to face the mafias. And sometimes we go inside the mafia. So we need to, to do a, a risky project, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you want to talk about, about yeah, it. Um, Pastor Aaron had asked, how did these women get there? Why are they victims of trafficking? This is an important thing to understand. Uh, depending on where they're from, the mafia will set up. They have everything organized. They leave nothing to chance. So part of the mafia have the captors who are going to deceive the women. They will offer her false work. And they'll tell her, in Africa, they, th they think they're coming to work, they're coming to be a model, they're going to be a nanny, whatever. The same thing happens in South America. And so from... Um, uh, from Africa, the, the, ma the majority of the women that we are seeing are actually fleeing from war zones or they're fleeing from forced marriages or, um, you know, the, the, they've suffered so many things. There's a common factor, I would think, in most, almost from all over the world, which is that they've been abused, sexually abused in childhood. And, and from there on, it's like everything goes wrong for them. Um, you know, in the, in the refugee camps. These are all places where the mafias um, will, will, will go to the women and offer her this false documentation. We'll see to your visa. We'll see to everything for you. Uh, we'll get your air ticket. We'll provide you with a uniform. You don't have to worry about anything. They really seem like the kindest people. And quite often, it's the family members could be involved as well. Yes. And so when the girl arrives and discovers it's prostitution, all of her trust is completely broken. When they come from places like South America, they take advantage of the fact that these women are poor. A lot of the girls have children, and they will use those children then, like we have a girl in, the, in our safe home, and she escaped three times from the mafia, three times they found her, they cut up her face, and the threat was, you, you now have a teenage girl, we'll bring her and she'll be prostituted here with you. So those kind of threats are real, um, you know, and so as the, as the girls will be punished by beating them, public beatings, public rapes, um, they know that they're capable of doing these terrible things and fear has a strong grip. Also from the Eastern Bloc, the Eastern Europe, um, there are hundreds and thousands of girls coming in. It's so sad from countries like Moldova where girls are brought up in orphanages, they leave the orphanage and they have the mafia at the door waiting for them. Hey, we've got a job for you. Yeah. Who have you got in the world? You've got yeah. nobody. These girls, nobody really cares about these women. They're in vulnerable, high-risk situations. And so, um, you know, from Russia as well, we were discovering that the hardest girls and women to help were the Russians and the, um, and the Romanians, the Romanians, Romanian, Bulgaria. And we thought, why? I met in the detention center, there was a Russian girl 
And she'd explained to us how she'd been trafficked, the, the cruelty of these Eastern Bloc um, mafias. There are people who have been in these Eastern um, wars and trained to actually torture people. They have no feelings whatsoever. Everything is just money, and they don't care what you have to go through to get that money. And so she's told us how she was suffering. She'd thrown, she was locked in a room, and as they would leave with a client, we don't like the words, but <laughs> they would lock her in and just open the door for another one to come in. So she decided she threw herself out of the window. She was in a chalet, and she was on the top floor. She threw herself out the window. She broke her both legs, and she managed to crawl, to pull herself across to get to the road, and a car went past and picked her up. Now, what happened to her, finally, she ended up in the detention center. But, you know, she said to us, it's been years since I never, I don't cry anymore. She says, you, you don't cry. Because if you plead mercy with them, if you cry, they just laugh at you. Mm. So the hardness in these girls' hearts and lives, they have just become completely hardened. One, um, the, the director of the safe home, she did a trip specifically to the homes in Moldova, uh, and, uh, sorry, Romania, because we wanted to see why are these girls from Romania so hard? We've had girls from Romania. We had one with a baby girl. She went back to the mafia with this baby in her hands. And we said, why is it so hard to get to them? And she discovered something that shocked us. She said, Fiona, the safe homes in Romania, they're filled with children. 10, 11, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds with babies in their arms. Mm. In Romania, they are trafficking their own children. They're trafficking their kids. And then when the girls turn 18, they're sent to Spain. So imagine if you've been, you've been daily raped, your life is worthless since 11 years of age. Can you imagine? Wow. There was one girl, she'd also thrown herself out of the window. Her face completely discovered, her hands unable to use. And it's just such a, a, a hard work with that. But you know the safe home that we, that we have now? Um, um, it's Project Rescue. We, we'd already um, learned how to work through Project Rescue when we were in India. We saw the way that they're working in helping the women there. And it has, we have a lot of unique sides, like you say. It's not all just spiritual. It's not all right. just humanitarian. We join the good works with the faith. Now, without faith and without um, yeah, having like, Jesus... Talk about this, because... Because we talked about this yesterday the, um, at dinner. Uh, the, uh, there's a secular side to this whole thing that just, yes. if you just legally minister to the issue or you just legally work through the identity crisis or you try to stop the injustice yes. from a completely secular perspective, you said that doesn't change anything. It's a, this is a spiritual issue. Talk about that for a minute. It's a spiritual issue. Um, in Spain, actually, the, what the safe homes are, the results of actually um, seeing a woman, it's not so difficult to get a woman out of the mafia or out of the situation she's in, but the process of complete healing and a new life, that is what's difficult because the trauma is so deep that, you know, even though you give them all the tools they need, you can set up the nicest home, have the best kind of psychological help, psychiatric help, legal help, but unless God intervenes spiritually in that woman's house and in that woman's life, she will not really get a complete mm -hmm. healing. And we have groups both in the detention center and other places that are saying, how come you're managing to get such results? Why are the girls always asking for you to visit them? Why are, how are these women actually making it right through their process? And it's all thanks to God. You, know? you yes. speak to the woman, and when you talk to her, Pastor Aaron, it's like, 
you see death in her light in her eyes. When you first see that girl, you know she. We've got girls. Sometimes they come. They've been burned with cigarettes. They're they're sick. Um, some of them have um, yes. really bad illnesses. Yes, I think uh, the point is to mix all the actions with faith, as James says. Uh, we can have a brother without clothes, without food. We can say, okay, keep warm, well fed. But if we don't do anything about it, if we don't give our two fishes right. and, and five, um, how do you say in English? Five loaves. loaves yeah. uh, there is nothing we can do. There right. is nothing because that faith is dead. So what uh, we realized, and, and, and we are going to talk about that, how God talked to us about Ezekiel 37 separately, and um, my, my law office, my knowledge, my profession is a calling. It's not just a secular thing. In the Bible, we cannot find secular words. Right. We need to, to defeat that. That is a lie from the enemy. If we accept that, we won't, uh, we won't achieve all our goals as a church. We need to accept that we are part of the kingdom, and what we have, we need to give it. Right. And, uh, and, and God called a lot of professionals, counselors, kings, <laughs> right. lawyers, yes. so he can use that. He can use that. Actually, you he know... Can, he can even use attorneys, right? Yeah, that's right. That is a big thing, eh? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's we like, we like and, uh, to, yeah. sorry, We like to separate what we think is ministry from secular things, and you know? It is not. But I really believe it's not so much what you do, it's who you are. Right. Yes. Depending yes. on who you are, it's how you're going to act and what you're going to do all over. Here's sitting this morning, when you leave this place, when you're walking past, when you walk through and see someone prostituting in the yes. streets, how you're going to react and what you can give them is who you are, not so much what you yes. do. And all that we, we then learn in your profession, uh, how you can, can work, is all... Um, is, it's, it's all yourself. a way of giving. You're ministering yes, in whatever right. you do in life as a believer, you know? So, so let, let's, let's talk just real quick. Let's, let's go to, based on that, so these ladies are trafficked, and so then they are brought into prostitution, that's it. and then uh, the police will come in and basically raids and stinks and so yes. forth, and they become incarcerated, and that's when you meet them. Yes. Walk us through what happens from that point at the detention center, the, 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 the way, way, how they are, what you're actually doing there, all the way through the safe home to restoration. Walk us through what that process looks like, if you could. Yes. Okay. Well, first thing, the volunteers act in the in the prison place. So we need to identify every case. Sometimes I have to work because God opened us gates. So we work directly with the UN and with the asylum office and the police. So you so, work with the UN, the asylum office, and with yes, the police. Yes. So we try to identify every case to find out which way is the best for her? I mean, we can do an asylum, we can do a criminal process, we can do many things, but we need to be very careful because every case is different. They have families, and uh, we need to be careful as well with the mafias, and we need discernment at that point as well. So normally, when this woman come to my office after they go out from the prison, of course, we have connections in case they are deported. You are going to talk about that now, but... Uh, um, we need to. I, I used to fight with my partner for that cases for three years. Normally, I mean, 
to win a case for this woman, sometimes it lasts three years. Wow. And have, now we have one that we are fighting uh, the protection order. Maybe we have to go to Estrasburg court and maybe that will last seven years. That is a lot of work. And this woman need a job, need documentation. So during that process, during that uh, period of time, we need to provide something to this woman because without it, they will be deported, right. they will be detained again, and when that happens, the mafia takes the woman again and they are re-trafficked. So we need to be very smart on that. So we go into the detention center, we have a first visit where we explain to them exactly who we are, how we would like to help them. We listen to their story. Uh, each girl's, very often the girl will not want to speak, she'll just have her head down. That is the first symptom that she could well be a victim of trafficking. Uh, she won't speak the language, won't speak Spanish. She might be for years in Spain, does not know anything about Spain, has not been anywhere. Um, they're all symptoms that they're a victim of trafficking. And so we start, we, we repeat over and over again the visits to them. We give them their basic uh, kit, which they need. Um, because like Ezekiel says, you know, you can say, hey, well, you know, we're praying for you. Everything will be fine. Okay, but you're going downstairs. You don't have a change of clothing. You don't have shower gel to wash yourself. Because you that's don't not have... provided in the detention no. center. No. So unlike Nothing. America, where it, you're given certain rights, when they get there, and the girls that we met, we went in with you, uh, everything from undergarments to hygiene products to anything. They have nothing because there's no one there and they can be in, detained for up to 60 days. 60 days, days that's 60 it. Days. And the Without last anything. year, yeah, yes. the Some last year, 9,000 persons in the sea in the prison were deported, which means the 60% of the persons that pass through that center. So that's a big number. And so some of them are leaving you, with the same clothes that they came in with. Can you imagine? So that's it's, part of what you do, is you yes. go in and minister those physical needs that they have right mm -hmm. there from the beginning. Yes. Okay. We give them Christian books, that are Joyce Meyer books. They donate to us, so they're, they're self-help books. And they can sit and read them. They're because reading jo the Bible. Joyce Meyer, she, she's partnered with you and, 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 and helps provide yes. these. Yes, okay. yeah. Right. And so um, in their all different languages, they've got them in Russian and yes. uh, our team as well speaks lots of different languages so we can talk to them in their own language. And, and then we try and find out really how their legal situation is. If they're going to be deported, we will get a contact in the country of origin. So because many of these girls will be deported just to be re-trafficked again. Yeah. And so we, we try and get a contact for them. And if they come out, then they have the opportunity to either become part of our follow-up program. Uh, where we have had girls who have actually gone back into prostitution. I, was, I had to speak to one of the pimps and actually met him personally. And, you know, she went back with him and just through the follow-up on the telephone, encouraging her, saying, you can do it, you're with us. She left and she got out of that mafia. And the other women, this last year, we've had now 24 women in the safe home. And uh, only there's been three of them have gone back into prostitution and the rest are all continuing with yes. their, their process. Yes, I don't know if you've seen the film Taken. Well, yeah. how many uh, have seen the film Taken? Movie, yeah. okay, a lot of people. A good. lot of people. Well, that is absolutely true. 
I mean, the only exception, there is no Lime Nielsen kicking everybody or Jackie Chan, you know, there is pro rescue. I mean, there's we walking the. Yeah. And, uh, you're, you're Liam Neeson, right? Yeah. No, no, I'm not good kicking, you know, I'm good <laughs> fighting with another kind of weapons, yeah. But the, but scheme, no, I'm the, not good. the, the scheme of how the mafia actually yes. works, the breaking yes. rooms for the girls, the way they are sold, the platforms where they will walk around Same and get thing. chosen. This is all reality. This is not just Hollywood. The Hollywood bit is like he says, kicking everybody and shooting and, and, and that. And he does this in the film, he does it for his daughter. We're not doing it for our daughters, but they are like our daughters. Yes. We're like, we tell them, we are now your family because these girls have lost everything. Right. They have no family. They will never see their families again. And now we do become their yes. families. Actually, I am, they call her Mama Fiona. I am Mama Fiona. Okay. <laughs> so so when, when they leave the detention center and if they're not deported, then you have a safe house. Talk about that and yes. what happens there. The safe home is a place where they can live secure. It's a, it's a home where no one knows the address, and so it's safe from the mafias who are, who are trying to find them. It's a, a place where, we, where they have, first of all, two months as an emergency phase to just recuperate, to start sleeping at night, to start eating, to, to just be able to relax a bit. They will all come with um, post-traumatic syndrome, which has a lot of um, different... Um, um, symptoms such as headaches, vomiting, nightmares, um, panic attacks. This all will start to come out when they actually get to the secure place. And you bring medical attention, psychological yes. help, yes. counseling, mm -hmm. all of that. Yes, right because there. the yeah, other point is we have no. Uh, I'm going to explain this because because they don't have documentation uh, by by the Spanish law. They have no right to get a uh, medical public mm -hmm. attention with. So we need to, to do that part of the job as well. Uh, I mean, they need to be attended. So we have a medical team, and on the other hand, we try to make all the possible to, to, to give them uh, public medical attention. And uh, We yeah. also offer them the psychological help, yes. um, social skills if they don't know Spanish, which a lot of them don't. From day one, they start Spanish classes. They start to learn how to use the metro, how to go around. Because these girls, since they've been in prison, they're afraid to go out. We almost have to push them out, you know? Yes. We give them a mobile, we accompany them the first days, but then we say, you know, you're okay, you can do it. And, and we start working with their, their self-esteem. Right. Uh, we have something called voluntary return, where they can decide whether they want to remain in Spain or if they want to return to their countries, their families. Many are, are mothers of young children. And, um, it's an elastic process. Actually, um, there is when we see a lot of miracles. I mean, the Holy Spirit acting, you know, uh, supporting us because without him we cannot do anything, you know. And um, the, the safe home is actually the, the toughest thing. People don't think that. People think it's tough to be out in the street. But, you know, you can be out in the street. We do... We do um, um, pro uh, rescue operations. Tomorrow there's going to be a rescue operation. I don't want to publicly say where because you never know. Yeah, but dangerous. please pray because with the, with the rescue operations, I hate the rescue operations because I love to get the girl out or we, sometimes we've got babies out that have been kidnapped. But, you know, it's, it's really hard because you never know what's going to happen. 
It's like you have to be prepared for anything. And, and so it's a team. We're also preparing different teams around Spain, in the north, in the south, in another area of Spain, so that they can reach out to the trafficked women in their wow. own areas. Yes. And one of those teams who have just been prepared are going to do their first rescue operation. It's like a so we're going to walk them through it. And we pray that everything will, will go well. We've done rescue operations. I mean, we've had places where, where we've gone up to get a girl desperate to come out. And I've been speaking, negotiating on the phone with the mafia. And you guys might think, whatever, you, what are you doing? You know, why would you talk to them? But you, sometimes you have to, to just be able to get the girl free. Right. And, and you can't just call in the police because the girl immediately will not talk. Right. And they're afraid because if, as soon as the police contact, for example, police in wherever, Russia, Nigeria, wherever, then the corruption there, the problem is that's when yes. they'll know and they'll attack their families. Now, you have a video of a testimony yes. of, of, a, of a lady that you've ministered to from the detention center to the... Um, to the uh, safe home. Yeah, to the safe home. Why don't you set this up and let's, and let's see this Good. video really quick. Okay. Do you want to set it up for us a little bit? Yes, okay. This is a, a girl who has completed her process with us. She came into the detention center. Uh, she herself is going to explain a lot of it, but... Um, well, we are still fighting her legal We're still fa fighting her legal case, and um, okay. I think they can see it, and then Good. I'll explain what happens That's after. <laughs> Check this video out real quick. Soy nigeriana y llevo casi 12 años en Europa. Primero tengo un año en Francia. Soy aquí porque yo vengo aquí a, por, por su puesto de trabajo, pero luego las cosas cambian. Me pone a me pone a prostituirme. Yo vengo aquí, bueno, cuando yo estaba en mi país, soy trabajando de campo, soy de campo. Bueno, la situación de allí no es fácil. Bueno, de ahí, hay gente que está pasando bien, hay gente que está pasando mal, pero de mi familia, fatal. Cuando dice fatal, es fatal. Son yo que cuida a mi padre, mi madre, mis hermanos, todos. Un día me fui a la discoteca para, ¿sabes?, para, para aliviarme un poco y encontrar con ese hombre que me ha traído aquí. Y me dijo, ¿todavía estoy en tu pueblo haciendo tus cosas? Y yo sí. Bueno, yo puedo ayudarte a salir de este país a otro país que puede ganar mucho dinero con tu trabajo que estás haciendo aquí. Vale, y yo le acepté. Y me dijo, cuando llego a, llega allí, solo me va a pagar el billete, de traer, de, el billete que tú usas para venir aquí. Yo sí, vale. Pero llegado aquí no es lo que pensaba. Llegando aquí, vi tro, eh, tres chicas en la casa, todos los días, por la noche. Y yo salí. Y me dijo, me voy a trabajar, me voy a trabajar, toda la noche. Un día yo le pregunté a ella, ¿qué trabajo está haciendo por la noche? Y yo puse a reñir y me dijo, un día te va a tocar. Y llega este día, me dijo, vete con estas chicas a trabajar. Y yo dije, 
¿Cómo va a trabajar por la noche? En mi país no se trabaja por la noche. Tú sabes que no se trabaja por la noche. ¿Cómo va a ver la calle? Dice, no te preocupes, que ellos te van a enseñar. Pero, llegándome aquí, no es lo que pensabas. Y me dijo que tengo que pagar 45 mil euros. ¿Dónde va a sacar ese dinero? Mi cuerpo. Pero al final empezó a trabajar. Me pagaba tres, tres mil euros. No se puede pagar esto. Me huí. Cuando me entero mi enfermedad, me oí día. Cuando oí, cuando oí día a otro día, la gente que sabe mi enfermedad estaba riendo de mí. Pero gracias a Dios estoy superando. Dios me está ayudando. No hay nada imposible para Dios. Y salí de, de la ciudad de donde él estaba, yo y de él. Y me fui a otra ciudad donde me encontró la, la policía sin papel, sin nada de nada. Y me trae así. Ahí conocí una amiga, una madre una hermana, una gran mujer de Dios que me ayudó a salir de ahí. Wow. And you were that person that she's referring to. Yeah, I was that person, but obviously there's been a lot of other people involved in her process of healing. Um, all of our team are passionate about what we're doing. I mean, the, the girl who actually lives in the safe home, she gave up a stable, good, well-paid job. She gave it up to go in and serve these girls. And, you know, the, the amount of sacrifice. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had one girl who tried to commit suicide. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. I had three members of the team out on the street with her, holding her up. And, and I was there as well. And the, the director of the safe home, she has young children and her husband worked night shift. She had the phone open hours till the early hours of the morning to check that she was okay. And you know, the, the people that came with the ambulance, they said to us, who are you? You know, who actually gets up at this time of the morning? Even organizations, but it's, it's a passion that God yes. gives us. But the need is so great. And I just want to appreciate because she is one of the girls who has made it. She studied, she learned to read and write Spanish. She went on to do geriatric nursing. She now has a job. Her family have become Christians. It's just miracle after miracle. Ethiquiel is still, still seeing to her legal papers. She still needs a lot of help. It's going to be almost a lifelong time of restoration for these women. But just even if it's only been to help this woman, it would be worth it. When I think, you know, Jesus... He spent his time with that one woman on the well that nobody cared about. And he spent a lot of time talking to her. So I know that this is in God's heart. Right. And it's God and the Holy Spirit that really sustains us. 
the, the work in the safe home, let's just explain it. I think in Madrid, including secular groups, there's only like three or four homes in the whole of the city. And around the country, there is no places to be found. One of our projects is, our aims and goals is to get a bigger place. Tammy will explain and she knows the place is kind of everyone's on top of each other. But isn't it better to feel secure? And this space doesn't, isn't that important, but we need a bigger place. We need a home uh, in the north of Spain where we, where we want to take in women with their children because uh, there is nowhere for women with children. So imagine you want to restore your life and your child is going to be taken for you, from you and put into, into um, uh, social services. That's too tough, you know, and it breaks my heart to see how women decide to not come out from prostitution, to stay with their children, and those children will eventually be trafficked or sexually abused as well. So thank you. Yeah. And Tammy, you were just there. Uh, two weeks ago with a group of ladies. Why don't you just share for a second as we get ready to wrap everything up. I had the pleasure of joining Fiona in the uh, detention center. They were able to get Pam Gable, who was on the trip with me as well, in. And it is, it's like a prison. You, uh, what you would see on TV, that's very much so what it's like. We had to uh, give our passports so that they would admit us in. And um, it's very much like the glass um, that you sit across from, and the wonderful thing is that you're able to open it. So you're able to have physical touch. You can hold their hand while you pray with them and, and hug them and just show them some love. And we were there, and I was with Fiona, and we were able to minister to three women. And um, every trip, I'm going to cry, um, every trip has a moment where it's that moment where you break, it breaks you. And the last woman that we were talking to was from Colombia, and she so desperately wanted to go home. She wanted to go back home, and she was strong for the first part. She was very strong and, and held it together. But when she started talking about wanting to go home and wanting to see her mother, wanting to see her father, wanting to see her children, she broke. And she just sat there and bawled, and bawled, and bawled, and bawled, and said, I don't know if I can go home because my father does not know what I've had to do, what I've been forced to do. And she was just so broken, and I just wanted to crawl over and just hold her and love on her. And just to know the horrible things these women have had to go through, it just breaks my heart. From a young age, all the way up, these women, from teenagers to women that are my age and older. Then we left the detention center and was able to go to New Beginning Safe Home. And you walk in the door and you can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, the healing, the love, the joy, to actually see them laugh and um, to, to have humor and to tell jokes and just to have that moment of sisterhood, that bonding and healing, such a presence of such sweet presence of the Holy Spirit. I looked at Fiona and I was like, you need a bigger place. They are crammed in there like sardines in a can, but they love each other and they're so thankful to be there. They, um, just the healing process, it was just one of the most precious times that the team had. And I was just so thankful to hear the stories, to be able to pray with them, to share the word with them, to give them gifts. We brought them gifts on your behalf. 
and just to love on them and let them know that all the way over in Wisconsin, in America, there is a church that loves them and is praying for them and is cheering them on for healing. So it was just a wonderful trip. Thank you for letting me come.